0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. We're doing a series uh, called Under God and taking this month to talk about different principles from scripture that uh, Christ followers are to implement into their lives concerning politics. And guess what? It's an election year. <laughs> Did you hear a little bit of a news about that? Uh, you know, maybe you haven't uh, paid attention to that, but it's, it is election year and it's a significant year. And so there's uh, there's actually so much information about the election that um, it's almost uh, overwhelming. But we want to bring some biblical principles to help you uh, understand how to respond to the election issues as a Christ follower. So I have something in my hand. Anybody can see it? It's my passport. This is very important to me, as some of you know, because I'm fond of travel, and I've traveled around, uh, not not completely around the world. There's one section between, uh, I believe the most eastern I've been is, or... uh, uh, is uh Odessa, Ukraine, believe it or not, is further east than Jerusalem uh, did you know that <laughs> yeah and so <clears throat> yeah Ukraine, which is part of the former Soviet Union, is actually further east than 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 uh, Jerusalem <clears throat> it's in uh, uh, and then I've of course been to Japan many times and Thailand, which is uh uh, it's uh, further west than Japan, even though it's east from here. <laughs> but there's a section between, between Thailand and, 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 and Odessa, uh, uh, Ukraine, that I've yet to, to fly over it even. Um, <clears throat> so this gives me privileges, doesn't it? And, um, and it's very important. When I leave the country, I need this to get back in. And you know, there's a, have, I mean, how many have traveled internationally? Wow, we are exceptional. Uh, uh, I forget what the percentage is. There's only a small percentage of Americans travel international. But there's a feeling you get when you go to the gate and, and you're home. And they usually say, welcome home. And you know, after they stare at you. <laughs> and act scary. Uh, <clears throat> and so this gives, me, this gives me privileges in other countries as well. And so if something happens, I have an avenue for for help. And so this is very, very important because it represents what? My citizenship. Uh, uh, Can this be taken away? Yeah. How? What's that? Criminal activity, uh, treason. It won't be taken away if you kill somebody. (laughs) Unless it's a government official. All right? Uh, uh, so treason so if I violate my citizenship in a a serious enough way what's another way I can if I lose my passport I don't lose my citizenship thank you Jesus huh I can't hear you yeah If if you claim to be a citizen or if you renounce your citizenship And so I have the opportunity, if I wanted to, for whatever reason, to actually renounce it. Um, And uh, certain countries, I'm not sure about the United States, they don't allow dual citizenship, but I know people that have dual citizenship, so they're actually citizenship, they're citizens of of more than one country, and so they get benefits uh, from both. And so uh, it's a valuable, valuable thing. And today I'm talking about being... Citizens are dual citizenship in heaven. Clicker's not working. It is. (laughs) Is the uh, mouse in the window? Ah, there we go. Good job. Christ followers are citizens of heaven. All right, and we find this in the book of Philippians, Paul is addressing the church. He says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in my... uh, following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern or an example for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame who set their mind on earthly things for our citizenship is in heaven—that's the big point in this verse. Paul is saying, "Listen, we have a, citizen, a heavenly citizenship from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body and make it, uh, and uh, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself." And so, this upward call of God in Christ, when. Uh, Paul says that, that is, that's the aim, and, and it's actually the definition of maturity. And if you remember uh, last month's sermon, as we talked to, through the, the soul search um, methodology of evaluating your spiritual walk, and that we're in a journey, and each of us should be striving to um, uh, uh, go get closer to God in this upward call of God in Christ. It means that uh, in each day, of our lives we have choices that we can make and things that we can do that we can move closer to God or we can get stuck or even drift further away from God but we want to pursue God and and Paul says this is what maturity is is pursuing that upward call getting closer to God and he contrasts it with those who set their minds on earthly things and it actually makes when 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 they when uh, and he's referring to those who were part of the church, but then, and that's why he says he's weeps because of it, because they turn their attention, their priorities away from the upward call of God in Christ, and turn them instead on earthly things, and it actually makes them an enemy of the cross. Mm. Sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? So it's like, if I become an enemy of the United States, I can lose my citizenship. It's treason. And earthly things literally means physical things, things of this world, terrestrial. Um, Allowing temporary things of this life to become more important than eternal things violates our heavenly citizenship and can actually cause us, if we follow that uh, too uh, far enough, to become an enemy of the gospel, an enemy of the cross of Christ. Now listen, earthly pleasures are gifts, all right? They're good. How many love food? Food is God's love made edible. <laughs> Mark Morris taught me that. He learned it from these guys in a, I don't know, he learned it from somewhere else. That's well, kind of cool, isn't it? Food is God's love made edible it's true. And nature, oh my goodness. How many love this time of year? Wow! I love Michigan. Colors, sun, it's just beautiful. Uh, wealth, all these things are blessings from God. But if they become more important than that upward call in Christ, they become a trap. All right? Our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That has to be the primary allegiance in our lives. And the Bible says that he is able to subdue all things to himself. That's the sovereignty of God. No matter what the issue is, no matter what the controversy is, no matter what's going on in our world, God will subdue it. He is, remember I said last uh, week that Jesus didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. And the lordship of Jesus Christ is, is far above all principalities and powers. And so every governmental, every institutional authority, every worldly power, whether it be in business or in government and uh, other uh, areas of of our earthly systems are far, far below the lordship and the authority that Jesus has as uh, God the Son. And we need to live in that. But we find in Scripture, this is an interesting thing, that Paul actually used his earthly Roman citizenship. We find this in a couple of places in uh, uh, Paul's writing, but I'm going to read from one. This is in Acts 22. He had been arrested And uh, they tied Paul down and when he was uh, preaching the gospel in the various cities. At one point, um, people were making accusations against him. And so they arrested him, and they uh, tied him up, and they were going to whip him. And Paul said to the officer standing there, he said, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Uh, Yes, I am, Paul replied. (coughs) Well, I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Uh, So this commander purchased his citizenship. Uh, and, And that was something you could do in Rome. You could actually purchase. Do you know that you can do that today? You can purchase, if you're a non-American, you can purchase uh, citizenship. You know how much it costs? Half a million dollars. And you have to create jobs for at least 10 people. So there's different, different ways to do it. The lowest price is a half a billion dollars. If you start a business, if you're from another country, and it gives you what's called an E5 visa, you stay here long enough, uh, then you can get an actual citizenship. And so uh, this, is, this is one way that you can get citizenship. Uh, you can you can buy your way in. And uh, same uh, uh, 2,000 years ago with Paul. Paul answered, though, yeah, but I'm a citizen by birth, which actually meant he had, in the Roman system, more rights than those who purchased their citizenship. Okay. Uh, Paul was a citizen by birth. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard that he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him to be bound and whipped. Because now the commander was in trouble because he had violated the rights of Paul, Paul's citizenship. So Paul used his citizenship when it benefited him. But listen, we never read in the New Testament anywhere where Paul mentions his or other Roman Christians' uh, rights to vote. And uh, uh, Roman citizens had the right to vote. Democracy was invented by whom? The Greeks! And the Roman government system was based on the Greek governmental system. And so uh, Roman citizens had the right to vote. They had the right to hold public offices if you were born a Roman citizen like Paul. And they had the right to influence the politics of the day. But we don't see Paul writing about that anywhere in Scripture, do you? Hmm, interesting. Now, because it's not in the Bible, doesn't mean he didn't. He may have exhorted other Christians to do that. We just don't know. It may have been left out of the Bible because you know Why? Why? It's just not relevant to the majority of uh, humans over the past 2,000 years because most people don't have that privilege. We've been given that privilege, and so it is important. We can't add to Scripture what's not there uh, and and presuppose that that that's in Scripture. Paul used his citizenship in appropriate ways, and as Christ followers... We have the opportunity to use our American citizenship to benefit the kingdom. But we must not allow our earthly citizenship to supersede our heavenly citizenship. All right? What's primary? What's most important? What are you using to benefit uh, the other? Our political affiliation, our vote, and you should vote, our discussions on issues of the day, should be opportunities to use our earthly citizenship to further the agenda of our heavenly citizenship. This is more important. It's going to last longer. And these must be influenced primarily by our biblically informed convictions, right? That means what you uh, read in Scripture the, the principles, the priorities, the values of God's Word uh, as it shapes your conviction should influence how you use your American citizenship to influence our culture. And it is a right and a responsibility we have. Uh, and Paul used it when it was uh, beneficial to his purpose of evangelizing the, the, the world and, and, and doing missions. We're called to influence the world. Jesus made this really, really clear in Matthew and Sermon on the Mount. He says that you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is in good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world, a city that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right. So we're to be influencers. Salt influences whatever it's put into, primarily in two ways. It preserves. And before refrigeration, salt was a primary way to preserve, uh, especially meat. Right, so, uh, Roman soldiers were actually paid in salt. It was it was uh, so valuable. Uh, he's not worth his salt. That's where that expression comes from, uh, because it was so valuable in ancient days. Um, it it also enhances flavor, doesn't it? How many like the? Uh, how many put a little salt on your French fries? Right? Why would you eat a French fry if it did not have salt on it? <laughs> <laughs> My wife says French fries only exist as a conduit for ketchup, but for me, it's it's a conduit for salt. I mean, sometimes it's just give me the salt. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so it enhances flavor. As Christ followers, we're to limit decay and corruption, like salt does, and we're to enhance what's good in the world. And and, and being involved in the political. Uh, discussions and the the things of our day is a way that we can do that. Light brings life and exposes the things hidden in darkness. And we're called to shine truth into our culture and live in a way that brings glory to our Heavenly Father. Um, and, And this is the primary passage I wanted to get to, and I think is really powerful, that we're sent into the world. We're called to influence the world, but Jesus sends us into the world. We see this in the high priestly prayer. This is what this portion of scripture is uh, commonly referred to as Jesus's high priestly prayer. There's only a, a few places in Scripture where you see one person of the Trinity speaking to another, and here we have Jesus, God the Son, praying to God the Father. And so it's like a, it's like we have the opportunity to peek into the Trinity, and He prays, "I have given them Your Word." And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Hey, guess what? When we get pushback from the world, when people in the world hate Christians or the Christian agenda, what does that mean? We're right where Jesus was. Now we don't do we shouldn't do things to intentionally stir up that. Jesus Uh, laid down his life. He served humanity. But when we represent righteousness and truth, we're going to get pushback. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, he's praying to the Father. As the Father sent Jesus into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. He's referring to when he goes to the cross and dies on the cross for the the sins of, of you and I and every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. He, he's, he's prepared to, to die, to sanctify himself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do you realize Jesus was praying for you if you've accepted him as your Lord. If you believe the gospel because of what his disciples communicated in scripture and the passing down of the message of the gospel from generation to generation because of other people's words, we now believe in Jesus Christ. And so that means Jesus was thinking of you. Isn't that cool? And in his divine capacity, he is able to think of every every individual that, that accepted Uh, accepts him as Lord and Savior. And so he may have been thinking specifically of you. So so Jesus was praying for all those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. There's a few things I want to highlight from his prayer. I Jesus prayed that God would not take us out of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. All right? This is one error that uh, Christians make is that they want to run from the world or hide from the world. And this has been repeated regularly throughout the history of the church where segments of the church will run away and hide. And, uh, there was, and, and there are some good things that came out of like the monastic movement. If you're familiar with church history, there's been different eras where people would go to monasteries and actually separate themselves from the world and, and spend a lot of time in prayer and worship. And um, there's value to that if you're called to that, but that's not the primary calling of the church. We're to be in the world. You know, and there's other segments of Christianity that separate themselves from the world by, by isolating. There's whole communities. We, easy to think of the Amish because there's some not too far from here, but there's other Christian communities actually all over the world that, that isolate themselves. They, they go to it, they leave uh, uh, the, the rest of civilization and they try to create their own little civilization separate from the world. But that's not what Jesus was praying It's talking about being so heavenly-minded. Some people just do it by the way they live life. They become so heavenly-minded they're no earthly good. That's a familiar saying. Maybe you've heard of it. Have anybody heard that? Yeah, you know, old people say that for a long time. (laughs) Somebody that's so heavenly-minded they're no earthly good. Becoming a Christian is not an exit strategy to the challenges of dealing with the world. It's an engagement strategy. To change the world. Amen? We must engage the world in a way that enables us to influence it. Remember, it's not just to fight with the world. It's to influence the world. How can you interact with the world and people that are under the sway of the world so that you actually have influence in their lives and influence in our culture? Next thing it says but that you should keep them from the evil one. The opposite error of running away and hiding and separating yourself too much from the world is to compromise with the world. And that's being so worldly-minded, you're no heavenly good. All right? It works both ways. Sanctification isn't removal from the world. It's removing worldliness from us. So it's God's process of reaching into our minds, into our hearts, into our souls, into our bodies, and pulling out the roots of sin, of uh, worldliness, of corruption that has gotten itself ingrained in our lives. And not to take us out of the world, but to take the world out of us. Uh, And this requires us to examine our motives. What are we really striving for? Are our passions in line with God's passions and God's agenda? Are we really arguing and pursuing and attempting to influence our culture to move toward him and his righteousness and the principles of the the word of God? Have we lost the saltiness of the gospel? All right. And so as Christians, we're, we're the salt of the earth. And salt preserves and salt brings flavor. But What happens if you put it in a wound or you get it in your eye? Right? It hurts, right? So something we need to be a little salty. We need to keep that flavor. It's important. Or have we become too overly influenced? by the evil one in worldliness, that we're no longer influencing the world. Right? So we're to be in the world, but we're to be in the world as influencers, bringing about transformation through the message of the gospel. It says, as you sent me, Jesus said, into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This means that this is our purpose, to infiltrate the world and overtake the world through the preaching of the gospel and and it talks about Jesus mentions that that this happens by people believing the word of those who believed him and so it's it's through communicating the gospel and the principles of God's word and so you know, I encourage people to be involved politically. I encourage people to be engaged in the social debates that, you know, it's not just in election year, they're every day of the year. There's, there's issues in our, our communities that are being fought over, really, you know, and there's a, a, a conflict of ideologies and philosophies that we need to influence. But we must understand that we do it for the purpose of furthering God's agenda. Just as we're sanctified by God's word, we're made made right with God through God's word, right? Through scripture, through the message of the gospel, that's how we're saved and redeemed. We must also use that same tool to transform our world. What I'm basically saying is, if we allow our influence, whether it be our vote or how we communicate on important issues, to those that we have an opportunity to talk to, if we allow that to be uh, uh, salted with the gospel and based on the principles and also the priorities of God's word and His kingdom, then we're actually uh, have we're aligned with God that we can actually believe that we're going to change lives. And change lives ultimately will result in change uh, societies. But if we simply think that we can go to, uh, 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 you know, a, a ballot box and check a box and that and we fulfilled our duty, you know, that has very very limited effect. But preaching the gospel and living a life that demonstrates that gospel in. Uh, agreement with how you exercise your rights as a, an American system, uh, a citizen, has m- much, much greater power to bring about transformation. Right? We must resist the temptation to isolate ourselves into echo chambers where we only hear people that agree with us. Right? I don't know if you realize this, but every time you click on something on, a, on the internet, the internet remembers what you clicked on. And then it will show you things that are that reinforce what you clicked on, so that you click on it again. Okay, and so and it just keeps feeding. And so you you based on your history of searches, you will have a different result than my history of searches. That's how it's built, and it's true not only in the internet. It's true in life. We get around people. We get it's easier to be with people that agree with us. You know. And we end up just hearing what we already believe rather than positioning ourselves in uh, uh, places where we can influence people that may not know the principles and the truths and the priorities and the love of God. All right? All right, this prayer is the basis of the Great Commission in Matthew where Jesus said, "'All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" That's what we're called to do. And engaging in politics, engaging in the issues of our day, there's simply another avenue where we can exercise Christ's authority. Listen, you stand and walk and vote and talk in the authority of Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth. If what you're doing, if what you're saying is in alignment with his word, you can, you, could, you, can, you can stand in that flow of heavenly authority. Just like when I have my passport, this, this means that, man, I have the the, the government of the United States. You know, you know, many of you know that I'm a personal friend of Andrew Brunson who was in prison in Turkey for uh, uh, almost two years. and A couple of years ago, it was, it was all in the news. Because uh, President Trump and Vice President Pence prioritized getting him out. And, and they did. And it nearly crushed the economy of Turkey. Yeah, it's a great, great success story. I'm going to have him here eventually. If this pandemic ever gets over. <laughs> uh, and thank God for that. And we need to realize that we bring heaven's authority when we're operating in line with our heavenly citizenship. Does this make sense? And so we need to make sure we're representing uh, Christ. Is that they, And the last verse uh, in that passage, this is, wraps it up, says that all, uh, that they all, and this is the end of Jesus' uh, that part of Jesus' prayer, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe. That the world may believe. Wow, what is Jesus' priority that the world may be, believe? Why is that so important? Right, because it'll affect their eternal destiny. Sure, you know, uh, economic um, things are important, but they're temporary. You know? And Jesus' agenda is the eternal and so God, he's praying, God, let them live in a way so that the world may believe. God's goal is the salvation of the world. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but would have everlasting life. And, and so if you're here and you haven't accepted that truth, or if you're listening online you haven't accepted that truth, That's the goal of Christianity, not to get this person elected or that person elected or this bill passed or that bill passed. Those things have a limited limited influence. But boy, this influences eternally when someone comes. So that's God's goal. And we're sent into the world to save the world in the same way that Jesus was sent, as the Father sent Christ Christ now sends you. Are you going to respond to that? I hope you do. <clears throat> and our message, though, according to Christ's prayer, hinges on the demonstration of unity. We're to display the level of unity that uh, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, that we would be one as they are one. And if we can't love one another... And demonstrate God's love for the world. Why would anyone want to join the church? And this is a big issue, isn't it? We need need to get this right. Why? Because the world, the billions of souls who hang in the balance, we need to get this right. Not just this election. We need to get our calling. Will be Christ's ambassadors, because people's eternity depends on it.